Hello and welcome back to Undiscovered. Undiscovered magic me. Okay, that's <laughs> I have to stop. I actually I'm sorry. I am genuinely so sorry. Actually, you know what? I've got to stop apologizing. I don't know what kind of mood this is. I haven't talked to anyone all day because I've been living alone for the past two weeks and this is the first time I'm talking out loud. And so unfortunately, you guys are the recipient of my rambling stream of consciousness right now. I actually ended up recording this in two parts because I got so deep into my own tangent about my thoughts and feelings about acting and artistry that I'm just going to do this as a prelude to the full episode. It is definitely a ramble. I found myself feeling embarrassed and wanting to edit out a bunch of parts where I was like, oh, maybe I'm being too much. And once again, I do feel like it is my work to share it. And I'm going to go back to what my teacher, my senior year of high school told me, which was, you can't win them all. That is some of the best advice that I have ever received. And it is so true no matter where I go. I always remind myself with whatever endeavor I do, including this podcast, that there will be people that love what I'm doing, people that hate what I'm doing, and people that feel so indifferent and will never remember what I'm doing. And all of that is okay. As always, I'm going to start out with a piece of writing. I wrote this this morning, actually, and it was very on topic with what we're talking about in this episode. So it is. We think real art is moody and mysterious, but it's the softness, the willingness to be a fool and fail with total acceptance of who we are in this exact moment that makes a true artist. Being an artist is allowing ourselves the full expression of humanness, messy, ordinary, confusing, beautiful. Art, to put it simply, means having the courage to be everything we think we need to hide. We as ourselves are the real art. Nothing more, nothing less. Enjoy the episode. Today, we're going to be talking about acting, becoming an actress. And this is my origin story of how I became an undiscovered famous actress. I named the podcast Undiscovered because two things. Number one, I am truly in my undiscovered famous actress era, especially since the industry is dead. Acting is not happening right now. Auditions are sparse. Everybody is on strike as they should be. The other thing is that the word undiscovered has been popping up a lot in my life lately, especially because I realized the importance of unlearning things because I'm also getting to this place where a lot of things that I had thought I discovered about myself, I'm sort of undiscovering and then rediscovering. And I actually had this conversation with Lexi. She was like, I have been holding on to some of your advice about social media that you gave me in 2020. And I was like, what? I'm not even the same person I was in 2020. I am not taking my advice that I would have given you in 2020 or advice that I would have given myself in 2020. And I am constantly undiscovering all of the things that I used to think were true and then rediscovering new truths as I get older. And I think that that is an important theme in this podcast because I'm sure that I will say things in every single episode. And then looking back, I'm sure future me might disagree with current me and that's okay. I think that there is always space for that. And that's what makes life so beautiful is that there are certain lessons that we have to learn in that moment to get to the next chapter. And then if future me wants to unlearn them and undiscover and rediscover, that is totally, totally fine. I feel like we will be a thousand different versions of ourselves in this lifetime and I hope they can all get along. Ooh, I'm going to write that down. (laughs) 
I think this is why I'm so excited to enter my 30s because I actually am enjoying the process of becoming and I, I really love who I am right now, which makes it easier to love all the me's I've ever been. I think that there's something powerful about that because it's giving ourselves the freedom and space to still fuck up and know that we are still good people worthy of being loved. And this is a conversation I actually had with my friend Naomi, licensed therapist who I will have in a future episode very soon. She actually explained that a healthy ego is one who knows they can be wrong and make mistakes and still believe they are a good person worthy of love and belonging. So that's kind of the backstory of why I wanted to call this podcast Undiscovered. And I was between that and emotional support person. And then I was like, you know what? Let's just do Undiscovered starring me as your designated emotional support person because I am realizing my purpose on social media is less about clothing and lifestyle and high-end luxury stuff, even though that is still maybe like 15% of me. I love that. I love getting glam. I love the luxury lifestyle. I love all of that, creating content, fashion sometimes. But I think that my purpose is more so rooted in what I'm doing now, which is kind of self-help, but also sharing my raw, honest stories and vulnerabilities so that it gives you permission to do the same in your life. I hope that it helps you in the way that hearing other people's truths and stories have helped me. Looking back, I'm like, I can't believe it took me this long to even do this. It feels so fulfilling. I've always loved learning about emotions and feelings and psychology and understanding the human brain and why we are the way we are. And I think leaning into this and talking about it, I find myself being able to give you parts of me that I never really thought I could give you in the past. I don't know why I'm like shaking right now. <laughs> and I think it's because I want to give you guys the absolute best episode ever. I want to give you all the thoughts that I'm having in my head. I want to literally carve out my heart and give it to you to hold for a second so that you guys can feel how passionate I am about this subject and how much I want to share this with you. <laughs> and I don't know any other way to put it. I feel like my dad, when I'm watching movies with him, he will literally pause the movie in the middle of the most emotional moment of the film. And he'll be like teary eyed. He'll look at us and be like, did you guys, did you guys just hear that? This is the moment in a theater where no one is fucking supposed to talk, okay? This man has the audacity to pause the movie, repeat the line that the actor just said to make sure that it's hitting us with the same emotional force that it just hit him with just so that he can resume it and make sure we're all feeling the same feelings at the same capacity at the same time. In the moment, we're like, dad, are you fucking kidding me? Like, Play the goddamn movie. I'm in the middle of crying. Yes, we're feeling it with you. I also love this part of my dad more than anything in the entire world because I think it is the part of me that I love very deeply and the part I love in other people the most and the part of me that is an actor. And I think that in another life, actually in this life, my dad is also an actor. And I think in watching my dad not allow himself permission to do it, I took that as an offering to give myself the permission to feel my feelings and express myself in a really vulnerable way. I think there's nothing more vulnerable than acting class. Uh, I'm sure there are plenty more vulnerable things than acting class, but I just think feeling your feelings in front of a classroom full of people watching you is terrifying. And there was something really beautiful about it for me where I knew that it was work I wanted to do and I was really excited to do it, even though it was scary. So 
something I am discovering about myself right now is that I don't think I ever gave myself permission to be as artistic as I desire to be or as artistic as maybe I am. I think I'm even having a hard time saying that sentence out loud because there is nothing that gives me chills down my fused spinal cord as much as seeing somebody with the Instagram category as art for their personal page. I think that's maybe coming from the part of me that's having a really hard time owning the artist in myself, but I find it to be a really pretentious thing to just be like, I am art. And here's why, because we are all art. The fact that we are living, breathing human beings with minds that say words and think thoughts and bodies that move around is art. We are all fucking art. Like if your bio is art, then every fucking human being's bio should be art because literally the whole point of music and movies is to show that human beings are fucking art. So every human being is just art by virtue of being alive on this planet. That is my personal viewpoint. So when I see somebody describing themselves as art... It feels redundant and obvious in a way, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. And I think that I'm edging on sounding a little too pretentious right now, so I'm going to dial it the fuck back. But here's here's the funniest part of all, right? Okay, the, the people with art as their Instagram bio category seem to have, and I'm not talking about you guys that sell shit, okay? Selling your art is different. That's the business. Again, that's like the human versus the creative project. I think my issue is that most of the people that I've seen do this throughout the years, I actually don't have any specific person in mind, by the way. I know it probably sounds like I do, but I've been saying this for years. It feels like they only show the most mysterious, moody, and elusive content under the guise of authenticity, which I think is what we all call pick-me on TikTok. This brings me to my theory about pick me artists specifically. And I will admit, I have and probably still have qualities of a pick me artist. I do not want to exclude myself from this conversation. I think I have also participated in this behavior at times. I can totally own that. But I am currently undiscovering this. The first type is the kind that falls prey to the quote unquote serious actress archetype. She's moody. She's mysterious. She has perceived depth because she only shares the most shallow bits online. So she makes you wonder what the hell is underneath there. And I think that's such a brilliant tactic. So this is the person that cannot exist as an actor and an internet personality because they're too contradictory. And she was told a million times that casting directors won't take her seriously if she's on YouTube. I 100% was the person who bought that. And it is so not true. The other kind of pick me artist is the one who only knows how to own their artistry by making fun of it. So this is the person that gets on social media and makes fun of themselves for being on social media. They are both equally insufferable in different ways. Also, this person was probably influenced by the casting director that said they couldn't be an actor and an influencer as well. It's kind of just two sides of the same coin because this is just the other way of dealing with wanting to be taken seriously as an artist 
and knowing that there is a connotation that you'll never be taken seriously if you're on the internet. And I'll be going into this in a whole other episode, probably when we talk about acting. And it's also not anyone's fault for believing it because this is an idea that was deeply ingrained in every single artist the second that social media became a popular thing. I also think you can always tell when somebody has kind of fallen victim to this mindset because it shows in the content. So we have one person on social media that is taking themselves extremely seriously and they are the people that maybe have the category as art in their Instagram bio, right? And then you have the people that are so ashamed of being on social media in general that their category is usually like scientist, okay? (laughs) They're both artists. They're just showing up completely differently with the same exact insecurity. And I think my issue with the first one who has labeled themselves as art, because it's all under the guise of authenticity, when you're only showing very specific posed slash forced candid photos of yourself that you feel have to be aesthetic in order to fit into this brand archetype of moody serious artist, it just like completely negates the art part for me because you can feel how forced that image is. And then it contradicts the fact that if I myself only want to consume the kind of art that is messy and true and real, then only seeing the image that you feel comfortable showing and that you believe is digestible for social media doesn't hit for me. And I think it did when I was younger. And I think this is why art is so subjective because It so depends where you're at in your life too. And I also will say there is still a part of me that loves some of that curated shit. And I'm not saying that that's not art. I'm just like trying to eloquently make fun of the two extreme ends of this. But I think this is why art is so subjective and why my current creative evolution is not only changing the kind of art that I'm producing, but also the kind of art that I'm following because I don't want to follow the perfect image anymore. The other end of that spectrum is the person that solely describes themselves as scientist or takeout restaurant. How cheeky of you. (laughs) This is just the person that like posts on Instagram stories or on TikTok about hating social media and encourages you to get off your phone. And you're just like, wait, did you not just post that from your phone? What? You know what? This is a public service announcement. Justice for the pick me artist. I don't blame them. Okay. Nobody told them how to show up on social media in a well-balanced, healthy way. I am sure that future me is going to disagree with everything I have just said. And I will keep you posted when she gets there. Here's where I'm at. I'm starting to own more of the creative in me. I think I've always owned it to a certain extent. I don't think I've actually let myself really go deeper and explore as much creativity as I always have wanted to. And I I don't think I was ready to when I was younger. And right now, what that means for me is writing more, starting this podcast. I really don't think that up until this moment, I would have been as honest as I am able to be with you guys right now. It is understanding that I am not only an actor to make fun of my feelings, but also to feel my feelings. I think for a long time, I felt so secure and safe in comedy because I do think I really understand comedic timing and there's an element of that that's always sort of felt natural for me especially in my delivery of telling friends stories or making people laugh when I was younger like that was just always something that I was confident about 
And the thing that I wasn't confident about that I was equally as good at was crying in public places and feeling my feelings very deeply. And that just didn't feel as socially acceptable as making other people laugh. And so it doesn't surprise me that when I started acting, I was a lot more comfortable with comedy than I ever was with drama. The whole saying goes that if you can do comedy, you can do drama because they're sort of one in the same. I mean, comedy is really just laughing at trauma. It's making trauma funny because that's a way of survival. And drama is leaning into the trauma. And that for me sometimes feels a lot harder because I am just now getting to this place where I am giving myself permission to feel all the feelings. And I think for a while, that felt like, oh, if people know that I'm feeling my feelings deeply, then they're going to think I'm crazy or that I'm not okay. And I think it's actually the opposite. So since this is the prelude episode to my acting journey, let's just go back to my childhood. I'm going to tell you about my mom and dad because I do come from two creative parents. And um, I am truly what you get when you put two highly sensitive individuals together. Thanks, mom and dad. So fun. I always used to joke, what the hell was God thinking putting my mom and dad together because the two of them would be sobbing watching a movie together. And I'd be like, well, <laughs> what do you think you get when you put that together? You get an Enneagram type four. Of course, I'm thinking and feeling my fucking ass off. Both of them extremely sentimental, sensitive, loving, hearty human beings. So growing up, my mom was always very crafty. She actually started her own business and patented a product that did not end up going through, but I still think is an incredible idea. She was an incredible scrapbooker. Like truly looking back at her scrapbooks, I used to be like, this is absolutely gorgeous. And she just has like a very aesthetic eye for things. I remember a lot of um, interior design, like house projects she would get really into. She also was a makeup artist when she was younger and is incredible not only at makeup but also at fashion and so she really is the side of me that is the content creator and influencer on social media I feel like I understood fashion through her eyes I understood makeup through her eyes and putting together like an aesthetic cohesive curated feed almost feels like the digital version of scrapbooking and so I kind of attribute that side of myself to my mom my dad is the one who was very into music and movies. He'd be watching independent movies on the weekends from 7 a.m. until like 10 p.m. I'm not even kidding you. We used to always say he should be a film critic. He has watched so much exclusive interview content with the director after movies. He's watched so much behind the scenes shit in general. I think the part of me that wanted to be a singer and then an actor is him. Also, when he was younger, I think he wrote a skit slash TV show with his friends that he would film and edit on VHS. He also was in a band when he was younger and sang and wrote music. And growing up, he would always play piano. He taught himself piano. On top of that, he is also a writer. Let me just give you a little bit of a fucking backstory, okay? We're writing my Nana's eulogies, okay, for her, for her unexpected funeral. And my dad comes downstairs to me and my mom and he's like, okay, I've been working on this eulogy. It sucks. It's so bad. I, I could go so much deeper. I just, I know it's not that great. Can you guys, you guys just read it. Like I'm just, I'm having a hard time. It's just, I don't, you know what? I think I got to delete it and start over. I had already finished. And after writing my eulogy, I was like, not, not going to lie. Okay. This is a pretty fucking good eulogy. 
<laughs> which like I really wish that that didn't come out of my mouth because it just feels inappropriate on so many levels. But after I wrote it, I was like, you know, I'm just really paying tribute to Nana. And I fucking know, okay, that bitch would have loved her funeral for that reason. I literally said that in her eulogy. I was like, I'm so mad you're not here. You would have fucking loved this. Again, you guys, I don't know how to deal with death unless it's comedic at some points because I think we have to laugh about death. It is truly my survival tactic right now. I also am equally laughing and crying about death. And so I feel like it's okay because I am allowing myself the space to mourn, but I am also allowing myself the space to laugh. And if any of you need to laugh about death right now, it's fine. So we go upstairs. My dad's like, no, I, I need to read it to you guys. He starts reading it. The first paragraph is literally him reciting one of his favorite scenes from one of his favorite movies that makes him think about his relationship with his mom. Not only is he reading this scene, but he is also acting this scene, okay? He's doing a live dramatic reenactment of this scene. Then he goes on to read the rest of his eulogy, which may as well have been a New York Times bestselling eulogy because I was like, oh my God, in that moment it dawned on me that not only am I an artist, but that my dad is an artist because this man came downstairs and was like, I should delete everything I have ever written. It is not that good. He stops halfway through this eulogy to look at us and tell us, see, I told you it's not that good. It's not that good. I'm like, this is so insufferably artisty of you. I cannot even begin to tell you. It was beautiful. It was a beautiful masterpiece of writing. And I know that deep down, in his soul. He fucking knows that. But part of the artist's way is just to question ourselves constantly because we think that that is somehow humility. That is not humility. This is something I'm also undiscovering. Humility is not, I don't actually think I'm that good. Actually, no, that is so pick me. Dad, I'm sorry, you're a little pick me. I think there is a healthy amount of questioning ourselves, but the way in which we question ourselves is so important. And I have realized this in previous relationships that sometimes the way that someone is talking about themselves in front of me influences the way that I'm perceiving them. And the way that I talk to and about myself in front of other people influences the way that they perceive me. So humility, I'm learning, is not, yeah, I don't actually think I'm that great. No, 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 no. That is you giving permission to other people to think that you are actually not that great. You know what is humility? Being the full fucking artistic expression of yourself and not giving a damn who the fuck validates it and giving all the fucks in the world who validates it and still doing it anyway. Because by showing up in the world like that, you give other people permission to show up as themselves. I don't know why I sound like a fucking preacher, but I think that when we give ourselves permission to be who we are with no filter, no inhibitions. It can still be scary. You can still feel insecure about it. I will upload this podcast and still feel insecure about every word I have said thus far. And I'll do it anyway because I think that's important. Because I think that it's important to show up even when we're insecure and even when we're questioning ourselves. But to do it anyway is so powerful. And the thing that I think I wish my dad did that he didn't was do it anyway. And so in honor of him and in spite of him, I am doing it anyway. I will show up with all of the emotions in the world that have been passed down to me from my beautifully fucked up perfect parents (laughs) that are probably laughing at this right now. Don't worry, we have a great relationship. I am literally moving in with them. 
I know I just talked a lot about my dad, but I also really do blame my mom for my acting career. Besides the fact that she was literally born to be a stage mom, sorry mom, it's true. This woman has been to 30 years of therapy. <laughs> and I am just so in awe of her dedication to understanding herself and why she is the way she is and how she can be better in every single aspect of her life and relationships. So I credit her for really teaching me how to get in touch with my emotions and feel really comfortable in that space. And obviously, this is my interpretation of how my parents have influenced me. But above all that, I am my own person. And I think it's important to also remember that some of the things that make me me are just me. And I am trying not to put myself in such a specific box and label myself to try and understand myself because there might be qualities about myself that I will never have an explanation to. And I am just now learning how to be comfortable with that. I think it's interesting that our parents parent us when we're younger. And then there's a part of us that by parenting ourselves as adults, I think is healing for our parents sometimes. I actually had this exact conversation with Alyssa recently. It was about how healing ourselves gives other people permission to do the deep inner healing work within themselves. It's not me saying, hey, I think you should live your life the way I'm living my life. Truly what that means goes back to that conversation about having a healthy ego and it's fully embracing that I am a person who makes mistakes who no matter what I still wholeheartedly believe deserves love and belonging. The most humble thing that we can do, not only for ourselves, but for other people, is live in accordance with who we are fully and truly. And be humble enough to fuck up and keep figuring it out for the rest of our lives. I think it's easy to misinterpret saying something like that as coming off almost like holier than thou. And I don't want that to come off that way at all. I think as kids and as adults, we learn the most by watching. So my goal is to be a person who tries her best to live in alignment with who I am. And if that rubs off, I'm happy to spread that energy. And the most important word in that sentence is really try. I think that's why people with a more growth-oriented mindset are people I tend to get along with best because that's something that I put a really high value on for myself. I say all of this and I give my future self permission to undiscover it and rediscover whatever the hell it is that she will rediscover in the future. This is not what I thought this episode would be. I really wanted to go straight into acting, but this is the prelude. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening. I love you. This was a wild stream of consciousness, a roller coaster, if you will, or at least it felt like for me. And I hope that it made sense. <laughs> I love you. And here's to undiscovering and rediscovering who we are every single goddamn day of our lives. Bye. Bye.